You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Barkley again with its big hole, and he's into the open field. One man to beat inside the 10, and Barkley to the end zone, a touchdown for the Giants. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Hey, hello, Grump. Welcome to uh, welcome to the offseason. Uh, unfortunately, we have no more football to talk about until next Labor Day, but uh, pretty uh, pretty exciting Super Bowl last night, would you say? Yeah, you know, as somebody who had no stake in the game, um, didn't feel strongly one way or another, all I really wanted to see was a good game, and I, I thought it was a good game. It was exciting. Sure. That's all you want. I mean, for games like this, you know, if you're a fan of a team like the Giants or, you know, even a team that's a playoff team, you you you've been invested in your team and this league for a whole year. And this is just, you know, how does this finally play out? What's the last chapter in the book? What's the season finale? And uh, you want to be entertained by it for sure. So I I was definitely entertained by it. A lot was going on there. Um, but I'm sure in this episode we'll be we'll be discussing all the uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of it. But it was overall it was a uh, it was one of the better Super Bowls to watch. It was also nice, you know, to, to break away from the recent memory of there was no Patriots in this one. It's just nice to see different shit, you know. Yeah, you know, um, I know a lot of people like the 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 narrative from everybody was, oh, this is so great. There's no Patriots. I I don't honestly care. I mean, no, I, it, I mean, I don't care in terms of like any sort of, you know, dislike for the Patriots. Just that I've, I've seen this already. I'm kind of bored of it. Yeah. I want to see other faces in here. Well, that's that's the exciting thing, I guess, about, you know, Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City and, you know, San Francisco as well is you're seeing the next step in this league's evolution. You know, you saw two different teams that have a different approach to offense and, uh, a, a young mind in uh, Kyle Shanahan, a, a, an old veteran coach, and Andy Reid, you know, a, a potential transcending quarterback in Patrick Mahomes, and a guy, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, who's you know going to be one of the better quarterbacks in this league. I mean, let's forget about. He seems like he's been around forever, but he really hasn't played that that much. I mean, has he played? Has he started more games than uh, um, Mahomes in his career? I bet you they're real close. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo has started less games than Patrick Mahomes. 26 games started, 31 games started. Right, and people don't – it doesn't seem like that because Garoppolo has been in your consciousness for a while as, you know, the, the Patriot backup and then all of a sudden – He uh, got the big contract. Right, right, right. Yeah, and I, I, there, there's that whole thing with what Frank Clark said at the end of the game. I don't know if you saw that. He was pretty much just uh, ripping on Garoppolo and his performance in the game where he said, you know, you're paying this guy $30, $40 million and all he could do was throw 200 yards on on checkdowns or whatever. You're going to have to do better than that to beat us. It's like, well, I mean, it was really close. He actually almost lost that game. Yeah, I mean – I don't don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I I honestly have just really completely tuned out what players say. I I really do. I mean – 
Either 80% of what they say is this programmed player speak, and then there's sometimes when they say stuff like right after a game, who cares? Things like that. Oh, yeah, I mean, no, it's just, it's just I mean, weird to the, me. That's all. You're right. I mean, this game for everything that happened came, I think, came down to one play. It was that third and long where Garoppolo overthrew. I think Sanders. it was Sanders in the yeah, end zone. That was, that's a game winner. There was only like a minute thirty it, left. If he hits that game over, and that is your iconic moment mm-hmm. of not only the Super Bowl but probably of Garoppolo's career, and you know. We live on the wire where things happen. It's so close how things work out or don't work out. Where you know, the helmet catch is like a a, a a couple of inches away from just being an incomplete pass. I never thought of ever again, but it becomes the signature play in Eli Manning's career. Um, you know, that play for the importance of it, and that's really to be a Super Bowl winner and a Super Bowl champion. You have to make those plays. Yeah, you know, it doesn't mean. And that's, doesn't mean and that's a clear miss. He wasn't under pressure. He just missed. Yeah, I mean, it's not saying he's a bad quarterback. He's never going to be a good quarterback or something. But that's just one of those plays. If you want to win and you want to beat a great team, you have to hit that pass. And that was the game right there. So tough break. That's kind of when you know it's a team like Kansas City. They kind of they had the horseshoe. You know, all the big comebacks in the playoffs and everything. And that, that's a play where you know you have the horseshoe and that, that play isn't completed. Yeah, and the, the other thing is when you've come from behind often enough in a year, it leaves your team with a sense of confidence when you need to come back again in the big moment. And I think that, that honestly um, – I, I think this is sort of silly and um, uh, just sort of my experience. But in 2011 when the Giants had – how many fourth quarter comebacks in that year there it at least in in my feeling left me with a sense of confidence to come back and win that game in the super bowl i wasn't shaken at all from that one 2007's a totally different story 2011 i was calm as could be in that in that fourth quarter nothing shook me and i have to think that that level of confidence is also you know, with the players as well. You know, they have been here before. It's the Super Bowl, but but you know, all year they've been coming back from fourth quarter. They know they can do it, and uh, and in fact, they had done it against the Patriots in the regular season that year. So, you know, I, I think that kind of played a little bit to the Patriot to to the Chiefs' hands uh, last night. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been probably a nonstop storyline for twenty four hours now, but I just think. It's very true. When you coach scared and you don't coach to win, you're probably going to lose. And for you know, everything that happened on the field and you know the, the execution by Kansas City and you know how they did offensively and defensively, this game could have well – the door could have been shut at the end of the first half. I mean Kyle Shanahan, again, this is the second Super Bowl he's coached in. He's done, a, I think, a bad job. I mean there's nice game, game – uh, Play calling. There's nice design plays, but you know the the critical decisions he made, I thought, were very poor, especially especially at the end of the first half. Yeah, absolutely. I had no idea what was going on, and even you know, it it comes down to that. It just seems like safe, conservative, not playing to what you usually do. Um, You know, even you know, I didn't watch the the game with uh, the cranky fan. 
for, for you guys. Um, so we were kind of texting and not really much because I was, you know, I, it's hard to text when you have wings in your hand. So um, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, we had the same thought and I, I don't know about you, but I was, I was with a group of people who were very into the game, not just casually eating and whatever. And in the, I think it's the first quarter, Kansas City's second drive, they had, um, I don't remember what the penalty was, but it was declined, so it put them at a, a third and two instead of a second and seven or something like that. And he declined the penalty. It was like for the third down, but it's like I'm not betting on the Chiefs to gain less than two yards. Yeah, it that, didn't that was- seem like a decision that was made with confidence in his defense. It was like it was like a sigh of relief. Well, oh, we didn't give up a first down on second down. Thank God we've got them in third down now. That's better. Forget the, forget the yardage. It was very silly to me. I had no idea why they de- declined that penalty. I, I I completely agree. And also, you now something else that I thought about too is you know that fourth down where it was very close to being it should have been a false start. I mean, uh, um, offsides. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, delay a game. Uh, yeah, delay. Delay a game penalty. Why don't you? Can you challenge that? I don't think so. Because. That really was a mistake, and that yeah. should have been, you know, a dead ball and play the play the um, the play over again. Now it's kind of a strange thing to challenge For a, a call that go that, that goes against yourself. But honestly, they would get another play. Now, if I'm wrong, if you can't challenge that, that's one thing. But I don't think you can. But you know, I said this too on Twitter is. There are things that we can quibble about with what's reviewable and the whole idea of the review process, you know, and that's that's like a massive overhaul in what NFL officiating is, right? I mean, we're talking about adding a guy to the booth and completely changing the way they use replay. But for fuck's sake, is it not the stupidest, most antiquated thing to have an official stare at the clock and then when it reaches zero, then look down to every time there's like a full two seconds that go by with the clock at zero. I mean, we see it every fucking week. It is so stupid. Why is there no buzzer or, or something? There has to be some better way. This is my gripe, and I'll argue with anybody to the end of time. Rules are rules. Absolutely. Period. They are black and white. If your foot is out of bounds by a millimeter, you are out of bounds. If the clock strikes zero, zero, zero. Game is over or quarter is over just because the officials screw it up or just because they didn't get a good view of it. That that does not mean that's not the rule or because the game is lopsided a score or it didn't matter because this happened. It doesn't matter. Rules are rules. And, you know, the technology is there now to enforce rules to the letter of the law. Now, if. If it's something like in hockey where you have a millimeter of the blade on the blue line and it's uh, and it's offsides, you don't like that? Change the rule. We can now enforce the rules much better than we ever could before. And this is another example. The, you're right. The fact that it goes to zero, he looks down and then blows. It's like, well, that's not the rule. The rule doesn't say that. The rule does not say it's 30 seconds until he looks down and looks up. That's just – you know, we live in this technological age where you can make that call a lot easier. But, you know, but it's wrong. 
that can't be reviewed. And if I don't it was, think so. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's something they could add in. But to me, it's, yeah. it's stupid that you even have to waste time to look at that, right? I mean, just have a buzzer in the in the official's ear for when it reaches zero, and he doesn't have to look at any clock. He can just blow the whistle as soon as he hears the buzzer. Or so, I mean, come on, that that came off the top of my head literally this second. I'm sure that we can come up with a better way to enforce this. It's it's absurd the amount of time. And I can't tell you other times where it almost seems like the official is not watching the clock at all because like four seconds go by where it's at zero. I mean, we see it at least once every two years where there's a really missed one. Mm -hmm. It's just so stupid. And, you know, it's what don't give me the well, who cares? It's not a big deal. You know. Everything's ever since, a big deal. It's the Super every, Bowl. Well, every, not even the Super Bowl. Any game. Every game should be treated exactly the same. And now that you have things like legalized gambling, you have billions of dollars in, in TV contracts, people spending $7,000 and more to go to a game, get it right. The rules The rules are not flexible based upon what you see. Those are the rules. You know, and I'm sorry, and it just bugs me to no end. It bugs you no end that they just can't get it right, and it bugs you no end that people don't seem to care, you know, that the rules are not being properly enforced when it can very clearly be enforced. Yeah, it's not – you know, we we can talk about the gray area of, of pass interference and, you know, I don't know if we want to talk about the George Kittle call, which I, I thought was a little bit whack. I, I wouldn't have thrown a flag on that one, but – I thought it was – I thought – well, it was kind of weird because, again, they were – not calling their timeouts. They were not doing anything. Yeah. Then they make this one play and they call it. You can and challenge that too. Over. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you could. They I could mean, have challenged that. He had. I didn't even think why of don't that. You, I mean, that was very ticky tacky and it was kind of ridiculous. Yeah. And well, I mean, the, the threshold for what's being overturned for pass interference is so ridiculous that it probably was a wasted cause. But what are you going to do with that timeout? Well, that's the thing. It's like having, you know, your timeouts, you bring it to the, to the locker room at halftime is meaningless. I mean, you might as well use it. And you know something? That's a play that if, if it, it's overturned because it's not pass interference, that's a guaranteed three points, possibly seven. And then you're going into halftime with that and then getting the ball back. I mean, yeah. that's, you know, play to win. And when you have a, you get your foot on somebody's throat, man, squeeze it, you know, and that's you know just you know and that's that's what he said too when he was asked when Shanahan was asked about uh, not calling timeouts he kind of said that he was pretty happy with the ten ten at halftime and I can understand being like well this is a high powered offense it's a pretty good defense we're right neck and neck with them that's a good place to be fine but know the situation of the game you have a chance to go up at halftime and get the ball back forget you should be disappointed at how far you aren't given the opportunity you had. You know, it's you should never feel complacent ever against a team like Kansas City. Any all, opportunity it's the Super you Bowl. have, you want to be up by thirty and still not not sure comfortable. Yeah, I'm with you. That that was, you know, it just seems like the big moment is maybe still a little bit too big. He hasn't had the, the you'd think he would, but he doesn't seem to have the life experience of that that mentality of just keep your foot on the gas, don't stop. Um. I, I kind of want to jump back to the missed throw by Garoppolo because it ties into something. You know, we're talking about, you know, what, you know, that that kind of becomes his legacy and, and um, 
it's just funny because it ties into uh, the poll that I did on Twitter on which Giants quarterback was more clutch, Phil Simms or Eli Manning. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that there's a huge difference between the two. I was just curious. And, you know, that really – if Eli Manning is that quarterback in that play, I have no doubt that he makes that play. That uh, is the play I, that Eli I makes. Don't, I don't know. I mean, who knows? That That's a – that was not a high percentage shot of pass or other. I mean – No, but it's not a low percentage one. I mean – no, I don't know. I mean, to say you have no doubt he'd hit it, I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, it was. In, in that I, mo- I mean, that that's that's what Eli is. I mean, Eli, for all his stats and his high interception rate, and you know the boneheaded play at the worst time, at the peak time when it needed to happen, he hit that shit. I mean, he's hit harder passes at bigger moments than. Well, I guess not bigger moments, but he hit harder <laughs> passes at that moment. You know, he's hit harder ones, but I mean. That was probably that pass would be thought of as probably the mo- the the biggest pass of his career. Garoppolo. If if Manning hit that pass, nope, no way. He was so wide open; it's not fun. He had two. I said, mo- I, I, said the, I said the biggest pass of his career. I didn't say the hardest pass. I said the biggest okay. pass. I mean, I, I, I mean ah, that I that that would have locked locked up a Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, the, the you could say the pass to Plexigo at the end of the the first Super Bowl was you know as big. But this I one think the, would have I think the pass to Manningham was probably the most difficult and in the biggest moment. I mean, he really any inch in either direction, and that's incomplete, intercepted, or out of bounds. But it was, but it was still nowhere near the red zone. It wasn't fourth down. It wasn't uh, how much time was left even in the game for it. I mean, that's just it, it's just known as a great throw because it was just a great throw. It wasn't I mean, it was a like a minute fifty at that point because they scored a touchdown with about a minute left. And there weren't that many plays after that. Yeah, but it but again, it wasn't like a you know. I mean that that throw was was third down. That was you know it was an it, it wasn't a it changed the score. Now we have the lead, but it definitely it iced the game. It would have iced the game. So um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think anybody can count on it to say you know oh that that's a guaranteed lock completion. But no, I mean I just that seemed to be the moment where Eli doesn't miss. I, I I feel happier with Eli Manning back there than Jimmy Garoppolo in that moment. Um, oh, we're talking we're talking about a Hall of Famer versus a guy who's played twenty five games. No, I, I understand. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I yeah. get it. I'm just saying it, it kind of goes into that clutch thing. I mean, in two thousand seven, the narrative on Eli was I, I don't even want to say similar to Jimmy Garoppolo, right? I mean, there are a, a high percentage of Giants fans that were not high on him. I mean, this is fresh off of the Tiki Barber retirement where he's trashing him as a player. You know, as as a fan outside of the locker room, we don't really know. Like, yeah, I, I disagree with that because everybody – it was like 95 to 5 in Eli's defense over Tiki Barber. I mean, Tiki Barber, oh, yeah. became, he became an outcast for this team for a decade because of that. So, I mean, just because he's you know he said those but things – But, I mean, it's not, it's not because it wasn't – True, it was because it's sort of that pact of what goes on in the locker room, what stays in the lo- locker room, that he kind of revealed. And and to it well, was remember the way, he, he, the way he said it on his way out, he kind of retired early. It yeah, but remember, like, but remember the context of where he said it. He would he had just started his broadcasting career. 
And that was like one of the first things he said. That was like his first little scoop. So he was trying to make a splash for himself. Yeah, exactly. So, so again, I, I take what he said even with a grain of salt. I mean, I think he's a dick for doing it, and I've never really forgiven him for it. But I don't think you know. Looking back at 2006, Eli, I don't think, I don't think many Giant fans out there were just like this guy's a bust, or we don't no, know about. No, I, I don't think that. I think it was more like in the big moment what he was going to do at that time, how he was going to perform in a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, that that year kind of creeped up on the Giants. I mean, they really – they weren't building to it. I mean, you know, um, Mahomes was building up to this moment. Uh, Garoppolo hadn't been. I mean, remember, he was hurt last year. The Niners won four games. He started one year before, and they were, eh, nothing great, but, you know – he was signed to a big co- contract. He was traded for and signed a big contract based on the promise of what they thought he could be, you know, based upon really what the, what the word was leaking out in, you know, Patriots camp about, you know, what he does in practice and the arm he has and all this stuff. But uh, he did play one season before he got that extension. Right. With the 49ers. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, I mean, there but was some, but, some but evidence right be- in front of them. Yeah. But that's basically being a rookie that year too. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, but it's 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 a play that cha- forever changes the narrative of Jimmy Garoppolo, and he may someday go on to make Pro Bowls and win a Super Bowl. I mean, I think I, both teams are well positioned to be very serious contenders to the next, you know, three to five years. I mean, absolutely. Everybody, I would everybody, say San Francisco even arrived here a year earlier than they sure. anticipated. They won four games last year. But I think I think people need to calm down just a little bit with the Mahomes will win three to four Super Bowls. Because I posed this – I was at a – we were watching the game last night. I posed this question to the people I was with. Who would you rather have at the similar point in their career? The combination of Mahomes and Andy Reid – or Dan Marino yeah, and Don Yeah, I was just going to say, Dan Marino won no Super Bowls. Because, remember, Dan Marino had this amazing rookie year. And then his second year, they went to the Super Bowl. And he had an even better year. And everybody was like, yeah, they lost. But, you know, Marino's going to win three to four Super Bowls, you know, at least. You know, and he didn't make the Super Bowl after that. I don't even think he made a conference championship after that. So, you know, before we start counting chickens about how many Super Bowls these guys are going to win and, you know, football is a very tough game and the rules and the way it's structured is put into place to not have dynasties. I mean, what we saw with New England is such an anomaly and such a a once in a lifetime occurrence of having the combination of a coach, a quarterback and a system where for 20 years they were at an elite level. That's not going to happen again. Not the way the rules are in, today with the salary cap and all these different you know, you know, things in place. So, I mean, Mahomes is a potential to be, you know, the face of the of the, uh, of the league for the next decade. He's definitely he's, he seems like a nice kid. He's fun as hell to watch, you know. But everybody needs to pump the brakes a little bit on the three and four Super Bowls he's going to win because nobody knows what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I guess one of the things that sort of plays in Kansas City's favor, 
the way that it played in New England's favor for years is uh, the strength of division. I mean, the AFC West has been pretty tenuous over the years as to really teams just kind of jockeying around, some coaches being switched out a lot, um, you know, whole regime changes. There's really been no, no like, dominant team over the over the years there. And, I mean, I guess that's how it's supposed to be. But, you know, you're set up pretty nicely in Kansas City where – and I think you have some questionable ownership in the AFC West where if there's not consistent winning, they'll they'll be content to just throw people out and bring new people in. And that always stalls franchises the same way it happened in the AFC East. I mean, how many coaches have we seen with the Dolphins and the Jets and, and the Bills? I mean, the, all three of those organizations, just a couple of years, you can't get anything done where you're out. And that just that just lines the Patriots' pockets. Yeah, AFC West, I would say, is the and same. And look at the AFC yeah. West right now. I mean, the Chargers, you know, would it really shock anybody if they're not in, in L.A. in three years? No. They have – now they're looking at, you know, when you start hearing things like the Tom Brady's maybe in the quarterback, they're not looking long-term. They're looking at quick fixes. Um, the Raiders will always be the Raiders. And, uh, you know, Denver – Denver's a to-be-determined. Like, they're going to have a, an ownership change probably in the next year or so after since their owner died, and they're trying to sort that out. And, you know – who knows what's happening with them? So this is an opportunity for, for Kansas City to own that division for a long, long time. Yeah, uh, but there's a big there's a big jump between owning a division and winning a Super Bowl. I, absolutely, I 100 percent agree. But it, it is a good stepping stone to have a division that you just you know have the boot on. So, um, it it is possible, but I, I agree with you. We should. Pump the brakes on this. It and again, this is this is a guy that's already had a, a scary injury this year. I mean, he's pretty lucky to have come back from it. And let's and let's how about this? He just won a Super Bowl. Let's let's celebrate this Super Bowl. Let's you know, Kansas City chance of they've waited fifty years to win this. Start already with the oh, they're going to win multiple ones, and you know, like calm down. We have a whole off season to start thinking about that. It's just these silly narratives just start up, and it's like, all right, relax. They won one. And uh, one other thing. I mean this this was sort of a unique situation where we have a very high-powered offense with a really dynamic quarterback going up against a very, very um, ground-heavy attack from 40, the 49ers. And, and I'm sure some people argue Jimmy Garoppolo is more of a game manager than a gunslinger. And I'd say he's probably more a game manager than gunslinger, but – um, and that's sort of interesting for the people who want to argue which way is a more efficient way to build a team. But let's just face the facts here. This was an incredibly close game that, as we've been saying, one one completed pass could have ended the other way. Um, the, the, the decision on who won this game is not indicative on the better way to build a roster. It just isn't. Oh, no. I mean, there's, you know, it's, there is no one way to do it. You know, it's, you get lucky in this league. If you have a young quarterback with a rookie contract, you can able to build things that way. That's not the only way to win a Super Bowl. I mean, Denver won a Super Bowl with an aging Peyton Manning who was brought in as a final piece. You know, that model may not work for other teams. You know, the, uh, Seattle got lucky one year with uh, um, Russell Wilson under a rookie contract. 
You know, this happens right now. I mean, Tom uh, Brady's know. won how many Super Bowls? Yeah, well, Garoppolo now is in a, a super huge contract right now. Um, you know, you – I think there are a lot of common denominators. I mean, I think you have to be very successful in the draft. I mean, you can't oh, have yeah. more – you can't have more misses and hits. You need to have not just your elite guys, not just your Joey Bozas hit, but you need to have your fifth-round picks, your sixth-round picks. Be, if not starters, definite rotation guys because, again – they are cheaper. You're not chasing filling holes with expensive free agents. You know, I think what we tried to do at the end of uh, the prior administration with the Giants was, you know, they whiffed on on the draft. And they tried to spend their way by plugging these holes, and it just it doesn't work. That model does not work. Absolutely. But there, there is no model to do for it to work. And, you know, one of the things that goes into the 49ers' favor, like you said, the hitting on the draft picks. I mean, this is a team that went 8 and 8, 5 and 11, 2 and 14, 6 and 10, 4 and 12. They've had several losing seasons in a row. And, and some of those pretty bad losing seasons, like Giants level losing seasons. Well, he, well, here's the thing. And this is, I think, the big takeaway for Giant fans the perception level of John Lynch versus Dave Gettleman. From the second Dave Gettleman got here, people did not like him personally and micro-analyzed every move he made, every draft pick, every free agency, every game as a referendum on is he good or bad, get rid of him. You know. Meanwhile, John Lynch becomes the GM and they've been together now three, four years, him and Shanahan. And last year they were four and twelve, and you just you went or you went through the whole list of their losing seasons in the last five or six years. You never heard people saying fire Lynch. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to draft. He doesn't know how to trade down in the in the first round. He's waste money on free agents. You never heard any of that. It, my point is, it takes time for a rebuild. You can't say after one year, after two years, even after three years, you know. Failure. This is a guy who didn't draft a quarterback. I mean, he drafted C.J. Beathard, but you know, he didn't use a top pick on a quarterback. He traded yeah, but, for him. But he, but he, possibly more risky. He traded for a quarterback. That's that's what I'm saying. I mean, the, a, yeah, a, a, a quarterback who's about to become a free agent, and they may have gotten nothing out of it. Forget being a bust. You know, he could have walked. Yeah, so, I mean, he came in. He played a. He came in for half the year, right? I mean, he came in. He only played a couple of games before the season. Yeah, ended, and they kind of just like, dropped I, I a see, ton of money on him. Yeah, I seem to remember there was a. I think it was either Christmas Eve or something. He beat Jacksonville, I think, if I remember, something like that. And then you know, they went all in with him. But my point is that you know, it's a much riskier, much more easy to criticize move. Yeah, my 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 point for this whole thing is that. 49er ownership, 49er fans, San Francisco Bay Area media gave them the latitude and the time to do the rebuild. And the lesson for you Giant fans out there is, you know, I hope you haven't made your mind up yet whether what Gettleman is doing right now is over and a failure. And this is the final decision because there is still a lot of work to be done as the season is over and now we are getting into – the process of 
continuing to rebuild this roster. And with that said, overshadowed by the Super Bowl, before the end of the week last week, Joe Judge hired his missing piece for the coaching staff, and that is defensive line coach Sean Spencer, most recently from Penn State. And uh, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he was on my radar or anything, but I kind of looked him up, did some research on him, and I really like this guy. I, I mean, you know, his his resume is sort of um, up the up the chain a little bit. I mean, he, he keeps being a defensive line coach, but, you know, going from UMass to Bowling Green to Vanderbilt to Penn State, that's that's climbing up the ladder as far as I'm concerned, and now making the jump to the NFL. But just listening to him talk, I'm not surprised that Joe Judge went in this way. I mean, he he. I saw one interview where he's talking about teaching his players to be better players, not to be better at their position or or anything like that. He's talking about you know whether that means getting their technique a little bit better, their footwork, or getting them in the film room, or just getting them to work a little bit harder or show up on time and things like that. This guy actually sounds like, in some years, could be a, a defensive coordinator or you know even making the rounds you know interviewing to be a head coach just the way he talks um and uh he he's i've seen some clips of him just you know on the sidelines and stuff like that he's a very intense guy kind of rah rah style jumping up and down in a way that at least at the college level i think that players respond to um but i think that this is this is a I think this is going to be a very big home run for a defensive line coach. I can see him becoming a defensive coordinator, whether it's here or elsewhere. And that's that's something great to get out of a defensive line coach, an assistant at any level. Well, the, the big thing, it's I looking at how all these pieces all fit with what Judge is doing. And I think the, the recurring theme over and over has been he wants teachers. you know. And I think we saw with this team for the last two years – we saw a lot of guys running around not knowing what they were doing, the communication not being there, not necessarily because of a lack of talent, you know, especially in the, in, the, in the secondary or anything, just because they didn't look like they were being coached up properly. Right. And they just didn't look prepared. They didn't look prepared. And you, know, you have a lot of young guys who might be learning bad habits, and you know, it just, just wasn't right. And I think – one of the reasons why I think Judge got this job over guys that you and I may be more familiar with and more of the headline names is that I think he hammered home that he identified that this team needs to, to be you know, coached and taught. And he's so far followed up. You know, Obviously, you know, we haven't had one practice or one anything yet to see this in, in play, but this seems to be the theme of what he wants to do and what his hires are. Now, that also means in week two, if you still see a mess, don't all of a sudden start calling for his head and saying he doesn't know what he's doing and blah, blah, blah. You know, coaching and teaching takes time. And I know everybody's probably sick of us saying that, but it is true. You know, this is like trying to you know, turn the, uh, a, a cruise ship on a dime. It, it doesn't work that way, so – yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like making a it's kind of like making a breakfast for a, a large group of people, but it's already started and you walk in the kitchen and you gotta kinda make sense of it all while things are already on the stove, you know? 
you've kind of got to go in there and make sure the fucking toast isn't burning and that you flip the egg and flip over the bacon before it burns. You know what I mean? He's got to come in there. It's there's pro- pieces already in place. Shit's already started moving. And like you said, with bad habits, I mean, bad habits could have been picked up, you know, that you need to reverse while also coaching up the new guys and getting a whole new scheme. You know, it's it's a lot. So I don't expect, you know, to start the season 3-0 and or anything like that. Well, I, you know, again, I'm still not really caring that much about record right now. I just, again, what we're all looking for is to seeing development of this team and right, of course, a coherence. So, I, I if we are zero and two, but again, we have no idea who we're playing in the first two games. You know, we could be on the road for the first two. We'll probably be at Dallas on a prime. Yeah, I was going to say Dallas is game. one of those games. <laughs> I mean, so I mean, I'm not that concerned yet with record right off the bat. I'm concerned with does this team look like an NFL team? And do we see improvement in players and schemes and formations that over what we saw last year? So it's going to take a little bit of time for that adjustment, but I think we're going to be in good shape. Yeah, I'm liking where everything is going so far. As I say, one thing I just thought about, you know, getting back to the Super Bowl for, for a second, congratulations to Steve, Steve Spagnolo for winning another Super Bowl. And you know? David Merritt. David Merritt. I mean, he was a huge part. Spags was a huge part of that first Super Bowl against New England, and uh, you know he falls into that category of some guys are just better coordinators than they are coaches. And uh, nice to see him get his second ring. So congrats to him. Mm-hmm. And with the the season ending and, and the Giants coaching staff is now seems to be fully complete. Um, you know, it's time for new season, new coaches, new roster. So. Coming into you know next week and, and all the weeks to come, it's going to be all about free agency and the combine and ultimately the draft. Uh, so that's kind of what all these episodes are going to be going forward. Yeah, we'll probably start off next week by talking about you know what are the obvious holes on this team and what assess the roster. Yeah, you know, what what do we have? What do we need? What do we think we needs a, quimp, a simple, quick fix, maybe in free agency, or what is something we really need to do more of a you know long ter- longer term development? Because some things might just require a little tweak here and there, and something that doesn't cost much, or you know. So yeah. I think we'll 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 go through together evaluating the roster as it stands at this moment, and that will kind of segue into our you know free agency and draft previews. Yeah, the the position by position breakdown. So um, be sure to stay tuned for that. Follow the the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Podbean. Uh, Just follow us there for free and all these episodes will be there waiting for you every Tuesday morning on your way to work. And you can follow uh, the show on Twitter as well at JustGiantsPod. Yeah, basically where are you listening to this show right now? Keep listening that way and go ahead and subscribe to wherever you found us so that we'd really appreciate it. Uh, we want you guys to be the first to hear our weekly rants because now we're in the off season. We do once a week the show until the fall again. So um, we appreciate it. You can catch me as always on Twitter at the cranky fan. I am headed down to a quick trip down to Tampa tomorrow to see my Tampa Bay lightning play. That's always lots of fun for a quick midweek trip. And then, uh, you know, we'll be talking about, Gator basketball, the Lightning, the Giants, of course, the Knicks. How about that? Two wins in a row. Grump, what do you think about that? 
Two road wins yeah, in the row. Congratulations. I noticed you didn't say Rays. <laughs> We're getting to them. Spring training is this month. We are now in February. So, you know, as we... Not really suffering through a cold winter, are we, Grump? Don't don't but fucking knock on whatever wood you just found. <laughs> Spring training is about three weeks away. I'll be talking about that plenty as well. So find me as always at the cranky fan, and I'm on Twitter as well at football underscore Grump, where I'm sure I'm pissing some people off, and you know maybe not some others, but uh, I really appreciate interacting with all of you. That you know, as the season ends, I have to say this was a productive year for us. Um, you know. And, and the show, uh, a lot more people are, are interactive with us and, and you kind of – I have one guy that tags like a million people and, and things he thinks are interesting to kind of see what they you know, think of those things. And I'm, I guess I'm proud to be one of those people he tags in. Um, it's kind of interesting. It's cool to talk to you guys about stuff uh, and it allows us to even come up with topics for the show sometimes. And on top of that, you know, I, I really appreciate um, – the five star reviews that were left for us, and uh, for those of you who haven't done that, please do that because it really does mean a lot to us. Yeah, we do. At least you know, let us know how we can improve the show and you know what we're hitting and what we're missing on. So, uh, yeah, five star rating, please, and a nice, happy, smiley review would be really nice. All right, everyone, go Giants! Go Giants. <laughs>